Welcome back to the Two Fish Podcast. My name is Nick. I'm Aaron. And this week, we're going back to 1 John chapter 2, where John is challenging us whether we're really living as Christians. That's right. This week, we are back in 1 John. We're done with candid conversations for right now, even though they have continued uh, in our lives. But uh, we're going to get you back to 1 John chapter 2. Uh, once again, we're going to dive right in there. Uh, so at this moment, if you want to pause it and go read through it and then join us, that would be good. And actually pause it and go back and listen to the, I mean, it's been a couple months now, it feels like, but where we started first, John, and we went through chapter one, um, for context, make sure you go and listen to that one. Uh, I guess for context today, this is the apostle John writing to the church. And again, these are believers that he's talking to. And let's just start right away here. First John chapter two, verse one, my children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. What a powerful opening statement. Yeah. You have the Holy Spirit there to, to help you walk out this Christian life and, and know right from wrong. And when you screw up, you got Jesus as your advocate. And as long as we keep Jesus's commandments, we're going to be in the right relationship with God. I mean, right smack dab off. Hey, guys, I'm writing you this so that you may not sin. I feel like that's his first like challenge right there. It's a challenge that sometimes we struggle with. Hey, can I do this? Can I not? John here in First John saying, I'm writing you, challenging you, don't sin. But I know you're gonna. And the good thing is we have Jesus. But if in, it continues, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Like you were saying, he's, he's that thing that keeps us in right relationship. We talked a couple weeks ago in one of our candid conversations about that atoning death of Jesus so that he could take care of that for us and we don't have to deal with the wages of sin is death. We don't have to pay the wages there anymore. Jesus went and paid it for us. Right, and I think verse 4 dives into that even deeper. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands as a liar, and truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. So that's verse 4 and 5 there. Basically, if you're saying, I'm a Christian, but you're not obeying the commands, the episode from two weeks ago where we talked about the Old Testament and the New Testament, this is kind of a point where it's starting to mesh together for the new Christians and the new believers. Yeah. Like, what are these commandments? But if you're not following them, basically he's saying you're a liar and you don't have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think he's really calling out. And, and I mean, even in modern church now, or modern American church now for sure, but the Western church, let's say, uh, sometimes it's cool to be a Christian. You get in that right crowd, like your big city churches, your mega churches. Like it's a it's a cool thing to be considered a Christian. But I think John's saying, but if you're not keeping those commandments, like you say you're a Christian, my version says, whoever says I know him, I know Jesus, but is not keeping the commandments, like you said. And again, going back, looking at the Old Testament, what are these commandments that he's saying? Um, you're a liar. You don't actually know him. You're not showing the fruits of knowing him, the fruits of the spirit, the fruits of, of a lifestyle of knowing Jesus. Yeah, you're basically a liar. 
And that's, I mean, that's pretty strong right there. He goes from saying, hey, do not sin and don't call yourself a Christian if you're really not. Yeah, don't mock God. Verse 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. There again, if you're saying you're a Christ follower, your lifestyle, the way you live should align with the way Jesus did. And that's that's seems, as I say that, very hypocritical for myself because I know sometimes I fall short of that. Oh, I fall way short. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not a little bit, but at the same time, I constantly want to die to that. I don't want to continue to pick that up. I want to continue to go back and pick up the cross and follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to continue to live in my sinful nature. Kind of comes back to that fear. Eye makes you stumble, gouge it out. Fear. If you steal, cut off your hand. Whatever that desire is, you've got to cut it off and you got to fight it. It's a daily battle. Yeah, it's that sanctification. It's that process. It's a journey we've talked about. Verse 7. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is that the word that you have heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I think there he's really honing in again on that idea of if you say you're a Christ follower, you need to be a Christ follower. If you say he abides in you, you need to walk that same path. And here's some examples I'm going to give you is what John's writing. Yeah, my version uh Verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. So if you're not loving your neighbor, first and foremost, if you're not loving God, mm-hmm. that's the first commandment of that. And then second is to love your neighbor. So if you're holding on to hatred towards one of your brothers or sisters, then you're not walking in the light. You're still in some kind of darkness. As I rereading this here while you're talking, starts i'm not writing you a new commandment but it's an old commandment that you've heard from the beginning like it's the same thing you heard from the beginning but at the same time it is a new commandment because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining so it's almost like now jesus has come in fulfilled that law fulfilled the punishment for the law it's still an old commandment but now it's a new commandment because we we've we've actually seen it come to fruition yeah, it's the, it's the same God. God wants the same thing that he wanted from the beginning of time, and he wants the same thing now. Jesus brought it in a, in a new light and brought us a new way to come to God. He acts as our advocate from our sinful nature, but the same God of Adam and Eve is the same God, and the same commandment as it was back then is still the same now. Yeah. So moving on here, verse 12, this seems to be like almost like a break. And I'll read it. I'll read through here and we can back up here. But verse 12 says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I am writing to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. 
I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So it's almost like almost a contradiction. Contradiction is not a great word, but hey, I just got done telling you, hey, if you don't love your brother, you're in the darkness. And that sounds heavy. Like he's saying these do not sin. It's, it's very heavy stuff. And then I think he takes a break there and it's almost like poetic. And in this, he addresses basically all the groups. He addresses new Christians. Which would be the little children. Right, and he addresses some older Christians. And the in-between people would be like people that are stuck purely in law or thinking like law, but yet they've heard of Jesus. But like Paul talks about in Galatians, they were calling for Christians to still be circumcised physically and... Jesus came and spiritually circumcised you. It did not need to be a physical thing anymore. So that would probably be the in-between people. They're kind of stuck with the law and the concept of Jesus, and they're trying to marry the two, per se. Yeah. Maybe the children, you know, new believers, the father is those that have been believers for a long time. They have the wisdom. They know what's going on. And then that young group could also be the group that, like us, that are diving through the Bible studies, wanting more not quite there yet maybe where we've got it all together where we could be maybe a pastor or something but we're we're diving through and we're working hard at it the first part you little children your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake like that's an encouragement hey you become a believer i want to encourage you your sins are forgiven for his name's sake the fathers these old wise men of god um because you've known from the beginning you've been there you've been you've been traveling this road of sanctification here and then the young men because you have overcome the evil one. It's probably those people that are in the trials that are constantly having to work through those. Hey, I'm, I just want to encourage you. You're overcoming the evil one. Continue on. You know what I mean? And then again, children, because you know the Father. Of course, we're talking about God the Father there. All right, to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. Again, an encouragement. You've been there. You know him. Right. You're solid. And then again, I write to you young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you've overcome the evil one. It's just encouragement. Yeah, I think it's reaching out to to all the groups and saying, keep keep going. Yeah. Don't give up. Don't stop doing what you're doing. And fall back in your old ways of, of whatever it is. Our yeah. old sinful natures. Like you're living in a new light, as he pointed to earlier. And don't pick up the lies of the enemy. Yeah, it's good. But then he's going to go right back into it here in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. <laughs> so encouragement's over. Now he's getting back to, hey, let's get some correction going. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. I mean, there's three things right there. Desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are things that we as human beings not just christians deal with every single day right and you're counting on any one of those three and not on god like you've got an idol in your life like that's another way of saying it you got an idol in your life and you're putting it above god and that is not what you're called to do because they're not eternal verse 17 says and the world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of the father abides forever and stay away from these things. These things don't matter. Not only are they sin, they're not eternal. They're only going to last for a small portion of time. How many times in our lives have we put our trust or faith or 
done something and it's given us gratification for a very small amount of time. And then it's like, okay, on to the next thing. Yeah. It's like that old saying, like you can't take your money to the grave. Right. And that is obviously a huge, huge desire for a lot of people is to have a lot of money. It'll make my life better. Yeah. Well, it might make your life better, but I don't think you're going to find true joy and fulfillment. 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 Yeah. And we talked about that with Jordan, right? Like that was one of my, I think that's one of the greatest gifts we receive is that true joy, that true fulfillment. And if we're seeking one of these three things and we're not seeking God above all else, we're not going to find that. And all those things are going to pass away and you're not, you're potentially not going to receive eternal life. Yeah. I, I read a thing today that said, um, you can't have one foot in hell and one foot in heaven. It's either you're in or you're out. That lukewarmness we're talking about here. You can't have both. On to verse 18 here. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us for if they had belonged to us they would have remained with us but their going showed that none of them belong to us i think this is pointing to a very specific group of antichrists when i think of an antichrist i think of someone that's clearly antichrist and their their goal is of the devil they're going to destroy the earth this almost sounds like the way he's reading this they went out from us but they were not of us this almost sounds like a group that are calling themselves Christians, but that they're not, like he said earlier, they're not walking in the same way in which Christ walked. They're leading people astray. They they were with us, but they were not of us. It sounds like it's almost from within the church. Yeah, I think it's a very particular group of people that are trying to lead uh, Christians astray and lead them away from the following of Christ. And it also makes it sound like it's coming soon, like the last hour. But here we are. We're, what, 2,000 years later? Yeah. And it's one of those things that's always like, oh, it's 2,000 years. It hasn't come yet. Why am I worried about it? Yeah. But the Bible continually says you don't know when. You need to be prepared. And I would say the same thing holds true for us today, we need to be prepared. We need to be living correctly. Like you might not wake up tomorrow. Did you do enough yesterday to die to yourself and follow Christ? Yeah. Verse 20, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies the that Jesus Christ, this is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So right there, I think that's for the people that were denying that Christ came and walked this earth, that he was the Son of God. The Pharisees. And those that were following the those people, right, that fell under that and put them up on a pedestal and said, no, this guy knows. I'm going to continue to follow my Pharisee and all this stuff that you guys are are saying happens not true, like it's all made up. I don't know why when I read this, it reminds me of 
there was, and I don't even know how I came across this little clip on YouTube, and it had Oprah and some pastor. And I probably could remember the name, but it doesn't matter. And they were talking, and she specifically said, Oprah said, but Jesus isn't the only way to heaven. And this pastor said, well, no, there's multiple ways to heaven. But that's against what the Bible says. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I think what John's saying is, I, I'm not writing to you. I write to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know it, because no lie is of the truth. So if you have complete and utter contradictions, Oprah's saying, Jesus isn't the only way. Well, no, he is. So what you're saying there, there's lie there. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. I'm not going, I'm not saying Oprah's an antichrist. <laughs> John is. <laughs> no, but it's, it's not, it's not what the Bible says. You're, you're leading people astray. If you're telling people, Hey, there's more than one way to heaven. It's not just through Jesus, but John's saying, Hey, there's no lie in the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way you know this. I'm not writing because you don't know the truth. You know it. Anyone that's preaching other than that or teaching other than that, I'm saying this is an antichrist yeah. and that's heavy. I'm saying that and that's heavy. And like we've always said, oh, it's heavy, not, but it's truth. We're not biblical scholars, but when we read the text, that's what he's saying. Yeah. Verse 23, no one who denies the son, no one who denies Jesus has the father. You can't have the father without Jesus right there. Verse 23 and whoever acknowledges the son has the father also. So the father is not going to let you in if you don't acknowledge his son. If you acknowledge his son, you're good with the father. Yeah. Verse 24, let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the son and in the father. There again, what, what you just said, you got one, you got the other. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. There again, staying away from those, the pride of life, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the world. Those things aren't eternal, we talked about, but abiding in the Son and in the Father, walking the way he walked, like he said earlier, these are the things that lead towards eternal life. Verse 26, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. They're trying to lead you off that narrow path, right? They're trying to take you down the wide path. There's many ways in. You have to be circumcised physically. You have to go to the Pharisee and do burnt offerings yeah. to be forgiven for your sin. No, we're done with that. Believe in the son and you get the father and you receive eternal life. 27. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real, no counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. I think the anointing that he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. You've been anointed. You've come to Christ. You've received the Holy Spirit, and he abides in you. He says no one should teach you. I think there's for sure truth in that, that you don't, because you have the scripture. We now have the scripture, these writings of John, these writings of Paul and Peter, and we're anointed. We have the Holy Spirit. And that, that Holy Spirit is what's going to teach us. As we read scripture, that Holy Spirit's going to convict us. It's going to work through us. There's seasons of our life where we're going to deal with things that all of a sudden the words pop out different in the scriptures than they ever did because of what we're going through. And that if people are trying to teach you something other than that, that anointing is going to kick in and it's going to say, ah, this doesn't seem like it's lining up with truth. 
No, I like that. Uh, the the thing that comes to my mind, and I, w- I wish I would have thought of this earlier, but I didn't, is there's scripture that says God's laws are already wrote on your heart. Like he's already given you the law. It is wrote on your heart. And as you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive that. It's wrote on all of our hearts. And, you know, you go back to the beginning and it's know the commandment, love God, love your neighbors. Yeah. And allow that anointing, allow that Holy Spirit then to work through you and in you so that you can be able to understand what is right and what is wrong. Because some things sound good, but if you don't know the commandments, if you're not looking for the commandments that are written on your heart, that sound good thing could be just desire of the flesh or desire of the world. Yeah, I think one thing like we always have to be sure to do is to come back to the Bible and check. Mm, yeah. And just make sure we're understanding our spirit correctly. Like I think sometimes people are too I'm living in the spirit, right? I'm just I'm just I'm living in the spirit. And then we got the other end of people that are I'm living point by point, yeah. period by period in the Bible they're also not listening to their spirit. Like there's this middle ground that we got to live in and it's not easy. It's not an easy spot to be. And I suppose there's the third group of people that just don't care and they're (laughs) antichrist, right? The antichrist. Yeah. yeah. No, I I love what you said there that we need to go back and reference the Bible and check it because sometimes the feeling of the spirit sometimes is real, but sometimes that was just bad tacos. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like sometimes... Man, that was just emotion. And the spirit, the anointing, is never going to contradict what's in between these cov- the cover of the Bible here. It's never going to contradict it. It's going to edify it. It's going to build it up. You're going to say, man, I feel as though I should do this. You're going to go to Scripture and say, yeah, yep, that's, I'm called to love my neighbor in that way. It's not going to say, man, I feel like I should, I feel like the spirits tell me I need to divorce. No, Scripture says, let n- no one separate what God has put together. That's not, that's bad tacos. Yeah. As hard as that is sometimes, that's bad tacos. Along this conversation, the thing that that comes to my mind is when somebody is prophesying over you. If you've ever had somebody pray over you and they're like saying the way you should walk and the way you should live, come back and check that. I think oftentimes, and I haven't personally had this happen, but I've seen things happen where in moments people they're hearing God move, they're seeing God move, and they speak into that and say whatever, but not all the words come out correctly. Yeah. So I think in those moments you really got to go, huh, okay, I get what she's saying or he's saying, but something about it's not quite right. Yeah. And you need to come back and check it. Maybe 98% of what they had to say was truth and 2% of it was off key. But you need to know those off-key things right? so that doesn't change maybe the trajectory of what you're doing or what you're going through. And then verse 28 here, And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So right there, he kind of just sticks the nail in the coffin. If you're going to do these things that he's laid out and you're going to walk this Christian life and you're doing it correctly, you're going to be confident and unashamed 
on your judgment day. Yeah, I love that. And again, what's hard for me is 28, you said, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his company. That is such a heavy thing because if I look at my own life and all the sin in my life that I've gone through, all the sin I know I'm probably going to end up doing because it's so hard to be, I mean, perfection is Jesus. We're never going to be there. To think of God, if he plopped down here in the middle of the room, um, I just recently heard something on this. The prophet Isaiah and the apostle John were the only two people outside of you know, Adam and Eve that walked with God in the garden. They were the only two people that actually physically saw him, and they both, the Bible says, fell down on their face in almost horror because they knew how unclean and how how unrighteous they were to be in the presence of God. And it's the same thing with Peter when Peter realizes Jesus is who he is. He's the son. Of, he's the son of man. He's the Messiah. He says, "Get away from me. I'm not worthy." I think that when John says. Biden him so that when he does appear, we have the confidence to not shriek and shrink in shame. Like that is such to me a high level of a lifestyle we should be living. Because the Apostle John and the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah were a whole lot better than I know I am. You know what I'm saying? And their response was to fall down on their face in reverence. Now, I don't know that maybe that's a shrinking away, but that that just seems like it is to me. And I think, man, what a standard of a life that I should be living, that I know I'm not, that I know I will fail every day to be able to be in the presence of God and not be afraid. I mean, that's just, that's a huge challenge right there. Oh, that, that is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's mind blowing, right? Like the way you describe that is what a standard to try and reach. And I, so the question is, how do we reach that? Well, it's obeying God. Um, one of the things I listened to this week was on the miracle of Jesus turning water into into wine. And Mary told the guys that carried the barrels, do whatever he says. And most of the times when I hear commentary on this, it's talking about Jesus obeying his mom because he told her, it is not my time. My time has not yet come. But this guy took it to the guys that carried the barrels. Yeah. And Mary told him, do whatever he says. And they obeyed, and that is when the miracle happened. Yeah. And that is how we obtain what you're talking about. Every day we wake up, we're trying to talk to our spirit. We're trying to talk to God. Throughout the entire day, we're trying to obey him. Are we going to fall short? Heck yeah. Yeah. But we got to continue to strive for that. We got to continue to die to whatever our sinful nature is we all have a different sinful nature. Nick and I struggle with different things, but it's continually trying to die to those. And part of that process is having a brother sitting across from you that you can reach out to having small study group, getting into the word and continuing to do these things so that you can obtain the standard that he's talking about in verse 28. Yeah. I love it. Back one more time as we in here, verse 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I guess the challenge this week, are you living that way? Are you living in a way that if God of the universe walked in the room, you'd be able to say, I'm walking in the way of you. Hey, 
Thanks for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed this episode, hit those like and subscribe buttons. Also head over to twofishpodcast.com to join the rest of the Two Fish community and all of our social media platforms. Thank you.